You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Hey, I'm privileged to introduce our our guest this morning who's bringing a word for us. His name's Stuart Hall. Uh, Stuart keynoted and headlined uh, the Rocky Mountain High National Conference in 2021. He is the director of student leadership for an organization called Orange, and he also leads initiatives tied to next generation leadership development, things like influencer, captains, leaders. He's uh, a co-author of two award-winning books. He's a coach. He's a podcaster. He's spoken in front of thousands and thousands of teens and various conferences across the country. He uh, joins us from the north side of Atlanta. He has three adult children and his wife um, uh, in that area. And he just keeps coming back to this northwest Iowa region, he told me, from Atlanta, Georgia. Beautiful weather down there. But he loves the smell and the scenery of this area so much. And so that's why he's back, people, and he's got a word from the Lord. Let's uh, welcome Stuart. Thank you. So uh, it's 1995. My wife is three weeks from delivering our first child. And are, are there anybody in here, you're a parent, any parents in the room? There's some adults in this room. Um, uh, students, you have this to look forward to. How many of you one day would like to be a parent? Raise your hand. How many of you are single? Look around you, prospects. Okay, so, <laughs> Christian Mingle. But anyway, um, we have, you'll, have, you'll face this decision as well. We were driving this hoopty of a car. We were ha- going to have a brand new child. And this is what we realized. We did not need to drive this child around in a basic sewing machine. And this was the dilemma. Do we buy a minivan and become those people? Or do we go to something cool? And we had read nowhere in the scriptures where it says that thou cannot drive a minivan and maintain your swagginess. Um, that's nowhere in the scriptures. But if it was, it was the message. And thank you, Eugene Peterson. So we had not read that before, but she and I were both like, we don't want to drive a minivan. And I was glad she was on that train because I was on that train as well. So this is what we decided to do. Three weeks before our oldest is born, we buy a 1995 Forest Green Nissan Pathfinder. Some of you are looking at this vehicle and going, you should have got a minivan. All right, but we, we purchased this vehicle. Now, here's what's cool. We drove this vehicle for 13 years and put almost 300,000 miles on this truck, kept our children safe in it, but this is the best part. We eventually drove it until it could not drive anymore. This is how bad it was. I tried to donate this vehicle to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and they wouldn't take it, Okay. But the last three months of the Pathfinder's life, I drove it without a reverse gear. And some of you are going, that is impossible. My same sentiment as well to my mechanic. Reverse is going on my truck. I must give it away. He goes, oh, contraire, mon frere. You do not need reverse. All you need to do is think about where you park. If you can get on a slight incline, put it in neutral, it'll roll back. You need to learn how to do the whole Fred Flintstone, hey, Fred, and you put your foot out and push back. Sometimes I would make my son get out and push with his teammates. It was incredible. And some of you are listening to me and you're going, there's no way I will ever drive a vehicle without a reverse gear. And I understand why. Because most of us in this room have been convinced of this. 
that if it isn't easy, it isn't your best. Because in your mind and in my mind and in the American psyche, your best life is an easy life. Anybody got your cell phone on you? Isn't it crazy that you can answer these questions so quick? How many customers does McDonald's serve every single day worldwide? Who's the richest person in the world? And what was the number one video game in the United States in 2021? For those of you that care, 68 million people every single day. Jeff Bezos, thank you, Amazon. And Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, which explains a lot about our culture. But we had that information like that. And some of us who are professors and teachers and adults in the room, we used to have to wait for these things. And some of you are like, what is that? It's a book. <laughs> but they're encyclopedias. And you would get... <laughs> A, one month, B, the next month, it was literally Google search engine in print. But you had to wait, and you don't anymore. And it's why a ton of us in this room, there's a whole lot of tension because when it gets hard, you want to tap out and you want to check out. And part of the reason that's a struggle is for a lot of us in this room, wherever you go, there you are. You have to deal with you. And the question I want you to wrestle with quickly this morning, I don't have a ton of time, but the question I would like every single student and adult in this room to wrestle with is this. Why is it that the things that should be the most important to you, relationships, are the most difficult? And I would propose that the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, these are so difficult is because of this. Because every single one of us in this room, young and old, carry around a box full of expectations. You do it with your classmates, you do it with your roommate, you do it with your teammate, you do it with your significant other, you certainly do it with your parents and your parents do it with you. You are walking around with a box full of expectations, and you're just wondering, are you going to meet what it is that I expect of you? And we all expect something of someone. And when people do not meet our expectations, what we love to do is to grind them in the ground. Anybody met this family? The Stock family, anybody know them, the Stock family? You should know them, because if you go to any Hobby Lobby, Target, or Walmart, the Stock family is that family that's in every photo. They're not real. But they put them in here to, to make you think this is what every family looks like. And this is what every single one of us in this room know. Your family doesn't look like this. Your family doesn't, I've never used this word, frolic like this. What you know, <laughs> and some of your upperclassmen, you can tell the, you know, the underclassmen this, what you know is you're not looking forward to going home at Thanksgiving because all those expectations that you have about your family and all the expectations your family have about you are going to come into this crazy crash course. And you're thinking right now, especially if you're a freshman, I cannot wait till I go home. I cannot wait till I go home. And you're going to be there for two hours and like, I cannot wait to go back to school. And the reason why is because we get to this place where there's so much expectation and the reason why it's so hard is that we expect imperfect people to be perfect. 
And let me push a little bit more. It's much more personal and much more deep than just this expectation. I want an imperfect person in my life to be perfect. We take it a step further. We expect imperfect people to understand and, and show forgiveness and grace for our imperfections because you know you're messed up. Look at the person next to you right now, by the way. Look at them. That person you just looked at is incredibly jacked up. And do you notice, <laughs> listen, do you notice that no one in this room went, I am offended at every level? You know you are. But what's crazy about all of us in this room is we expect imperfect people to extend grace, forgiveness, and love to us, but we refuse to do it to the imperfect people in our life. You want your mom and dad to extend grace, forgiveness, and mercy to you, but isn't it crazy how you hold a grudge? Isn't it interesting for those of you in love in this room how you expect him or her to forgive, show grace, and give mercy. But you refuse to do it. And it's part of the reason why so many of us in this room are in this place where there's so much chaos. If we're honest, most of us are just carrying around a box of unrealistic expectations, and the person holding the box is imperfect, but they think they're God because they hold something over people that even God doesn't. And that's why we're all on the same playing field this morning. Superman isn't talked as much about in our culture, but if you know the story of Superman, here's what's interesting. <laughs> his home was his weakness. When he came to earth and there was no Krypton, it was all good. He could be strong. But when he went home, and for some of you, and this is going to sting, your home is your weakness. Because it's there for whatever reason that someone holds a standard over your head that you know you can't meet. And you do the same thing in return. It's become your Krypton. And I was thinking, getting ready to come, about all of us in this room who have all of these labels that have been handed to us, whether because we earned them or because of some sort of experience or some sort of past, or to be quite honest with you, a label that someone gave you that you do not deserve. And for some of us, you emulate or you have lived out whatever has been given to you as a label. And for others of us, you don't necessarily live these out. You simply label other people. And consequently, it causes you to not be able to be the person God created you to be with anybody. Because there's so much tension. Because your box is so full of expectations. And what's interesting is it's almost as if, if you start reading the pages of the New Testament especially, it's almost as if the Gospels, what Jesus said to people, and even Paul, who wrote almost half of the New Testament, understood that, that we would have this kind of issue. Because he writes this letter to the church of Colossae. And this is in the middle of him saying to all of you who consider yourselves 
chosen holy people. Clothe yourselves in humility. And then he makes this statement that should rattle all of us in this room. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. In other words, it's almost as if Paul knew that you and I would walk around with a box of expectations. And if you're going to continue to hold that box of expectations, you're not going to be in relationship with anybody and certainly not anybody of, with anyone that has any depth and any connection. So here's what he implies. You and I, in every single instance with every single person, should just assume that I need to make an allowance for your imperfections and my imperfections. Now, we understand this practically because for those of you that don't know, we have in our country an unwritten law in our road rules that you are to keep a safe distance from the car in front of you. By the way, this is from experience. If you ever have a wreck and you hit someone from behind, it does not matter what the story is. The person who hit the person from behind is always at fault. Why? Because you and I, in fact, this is actually what it says. There is a three-second plus rule that uh, you have to allow one additional second, two, two car lengths and one additional second for every hazard that exists. So in your neck of the woods, when it starts getting cold and there's snow and there's ice, you need to take that into consideration or you're going to run into a giant tractor. <laughs> okay? <laughs> we almost did that this morning. But think about this as it relates to your relationships. Think about how different your relationship with your parents would be if you just decided to make an allowance for their faults. Because here's a heads up as the parent of three young adult children. Everybody look at me, college student. Your parents were not born parents. I'm going to let you in on a secret. We don't know what we're doing. We are so far from imperfect. And it is by far the hardest job we've ever had. And most of the time, the reason why it's so hard is because of us. But sometimes the reason why it's so hard is because of you. <laughs> but it's not just your parents. It's your roommate. It's your classmate. It's your teammates. It's your work associates. Professors, it's your students. Students, it's your professors. And some of you go in, and you're right. Stuart, if I told you why I'm holding a grudge, why I hold such high expectation, it would make complete sense why I'm unwilling to make an allowance. And we could have share time if we had time, and most of you would tell a story, and all of us would go, yeah, I would keep holding high expectations there. I don't know if I would let that person off the hook. And I have felt that for most of my life with some people. And it's not, <laughs> to be honest, that the person who you are holding such, you know, in high regard and you won't let them off the hook, it's not that they've done anything to deserve you letting them off the hook and forgiving them. And it's almost as if Paul knew that would be your argument because he says, the reason why you and I are to forgive other people is not because they're worthy of your forgiveness, it's because you've been forgiven. Remember, the Lord forgave you. And isn't it crazy how many of us in this room love to lean on that when we need it? 
But watch what he says. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, he says, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. I wonder this morning if somebody in this room desperately needs peace. And the reason why there is literal chaos happening inside of you is because you refuse to make an allowance for somebody who you know is imperfect, who's failed you, and you refuse to extend forgiveness. For as members of one body, Paul says, you're all, you, we all are called to peace and to always be thankful. He wrote the church in Rome and said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So watch. Here's the message we just sang about, declared, oh my word, thank you so much for what you worshiped over us and us together. Let's consider this fact that we just made much of the creator of the universe and his son Jesus and what it means for a resurrected Christ to be alive in us. And most of us in this room, I'm just going to make this assumption, most of us in this, in this room believe that the message of Jesus is the hope for the world. And it's what we want to hold out to our friends and teammates and classmates and even to our families. Isn't it crazy? With all the, the labels that you've made for other people, that is ultimately what you believe. But this is your literal message, if you get really honest, to all of us in this room who refuse to make an allowance for others' faults and to forgive those people who have wronged you in some way, shape, or form. Your message is literally this. Hey, I have unbelievable news for you. Creator of the universe, holy and pure in every way, has made a way for you to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. You can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. You just can't have a relationship with me. In essence, what you've done and what I do and what we do is we make ourselves in our own minds greater than God because he doesn't even hold you to that. So here's the question. Are you going to tear up the picture of this non-existent perfect family? Or are you going to keep tearing up the person because that's really the choice. You can either decide, no, 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 I'm after this. And by the way, this will never happen. You can tear up the person or you can tear up the picture. I'll leave you with this. This is my dad, Jimmy O'Neill Hall, decorated Vietnam War veteran. In January of 2020, EMT workers found my father if you are a man in this room and you've ever wondered how you're going to die, my dad did it. They found my father in his home, sitting in his recliner with his legs crossed, a crossword puzzle on his lap, pen still in his hand, 
cup of coffee right here, half-eaten biscuit right here, watching the 54-inch smart TV that he told me to buy him for Christmas because Walmart had a sale. And it was on Sports Center. <laughs> that is the way a man wants to die. And apparently he just fell asleep. The dad was my hero. Unbelievable athlete. This is a picture of my dad in high school playing basketball. That's my dad on top. And if you are, <laughs> if you're basketball challenged, that's not right, okay? You're not supposed to do that. My father has 10 grandchildren, and of his 10 grandchildren, five of them are college athletes. My dad loves sports. Um, Loves his grandchildren, but he loves his five that are college athletes a lot. And I'm the oldest of three brothers, and so when my dad passed away, I'm the executor of his will. And we didn't know what my dad had willed to, he didn't have a whole lot. Uh, really, the only thing that he had that was of any value was this truck. It's his favorite thing, and we'd go fishing. And we're thinking, who would he will this to? We knew he wasn't going to will it to any of his kids. He would probably will it to his grandchildren. And we also kind of thought, well, with the five grandchildren of their college athletes, he probably will will it to one of them. And, and then all of us in this room, you have somebody. Every family has that one person in their family that's a little different and a little strange. Y'all know who I'm talking about? That person's already come to your mind in your family. If you're going, I don't know who that person is in our family. You're the person. All right, that's the reason why. But what blew my mind when I opened his will was my dad had willed his truck. And when I tell you that my father was set in his ways, in his belief systems, that in many ways were archaic, but in every way strong and unmoving, my father decided to will his truck to my nephew, who used to be my niece. I think it was his way of just going. My question to you, college student, is will you choose to forgive and love the who? Or will you keep hanging on to a view that isn't even real? And for some of you, that means that as soon as we're done, you need to make a phone call. Others of you, it's not distant. It's beside you. And you need to simply say, Whew, I'm sorry. And for all of us, what if we just decide to make him allowance? Jesus, here's what I pray for all of us in this room. This is so much easier for us to talk about than it is for us to do. We make No misunderstanding about that. So much easier for me to talk about. So much more difficult for us to do. 
But I pray for the young man and the young lady who have stared a hole in me this morning because they know this is their reality. Unrealistic expectations. No allowance for other people's faults. And so much relational conflict. Would you give us the wisdom to know how to ask for forgiveness and the courage to do it regardless of what it costs us? We pray this in the only name that matters, the name of Jesus.